A lot of the Bearcats' success through non-conference play can be traced back to the transfers who are new to this team. We'll give a letter grade to some of the key transfers today here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Hit that follow button too so you can get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Alex Frank with you, your host, each and every day. So I got to thinking, when I was uh, reading the game notes in preparation for the game last week against Indiana, that a lot of the transfers that are on this team have had really strong starts. And a lot of them have had huge impacts on the way the team performed in non-conference play. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the key transfers. We're going to give them a letter grade. What I'm going to tell you what I like about them, what I don't like, what I would like to see more of, and then my expectations for the rest of the season. So let's start with the obvious transfer, Ben Bryan, a quarterback. I'm going to give him a B-plus for the first four games of the season. I think he's gotten better and better. He's one of the top passers in the conference, which I didn't necessarily know if he was going to be that. But he is. He's thrown for over a thousand yards to start the season in the first four games. He has a strong arm. He's resilient. He spreads the ball around. What I don't like is this he has these long stretches of bad play. You know, the second half against Indiana, the um, first half against Arkansas, and a little bit of the Miami game. So, If he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in this conference, which I think he is and can still be, he's got to put aside these long stretches of bad play, interceptions, letting letting his foot off the gas. You know, he'll have a really, really good first half. Like the last two weeks against Miami, remember he completed his first, what, 12 or 13 passes, but then he missed like his next four. Like that can't happen. And then against Indiana, he was 17 of 21 in the first half, but just 7 of 19 in the second half and virtually non-existent. Like, the second half of the game against Indiana is what I was worried about. If, you know, he would have such a great first half, but then he would just completely plateau and then level off. That cannot happen. If this Bearcats team is going to get to where it wants to go, and if this Bearcats team's identity offensively is different, which I think it is, He can't be 7 of 19 for one half. If he had been 11 for 19, that's understandable. He would have finished then 28 of 40. That's perfectly fine. That's 70%. But he finished 24 of 40. That's 60%. You see the difference there? That's 10 percentage points. And here's a guy who, when he's on, what we've seen through the first four games of the season is that he is incredibly accurate. The first half against Arkansas might have made you a little bit nervous, and you might have wanted to see Evan Prater. 
But the second half of that game, Ben Bryant was really, really good. Remember, he brought the Bearcats back into the game. He had two touchdown passes. He made a bunch of really good throws. I thought he got one throw taken away by a holding penalty that I still don't think was a holding penalty on Jeremy Cooper. Remember that first play in the fourth quarter? So what I'm seeing from, okay, what I'm seeing from Ben Bryant is a lot of really good, but I just feel like there's more that needs to be seen. Sure, back-to-back 300-yard games is great. I'm not going to, you know, deny that. Though That's really good. But those lulls that are maybe 10 minutes or even a whole half, that cannot happen going forward, especially when you go on the road to face a really good Tulsa team this week, when you go on the road to face UCF in late October, which is going to be a really interesting game to watch if you're a Bearcats fan. Um, that can happen in the conference championship game, whichever team you play there, whether that's UCF, uh, Tulsa, Tulane, maybe Houston, if they can get their act together. So, you know, what the point is that there's a lot of good, but I don't like the long stretches of bad play, the interceptions. Some of them are not his fault. I will say that the last two have not been the first one against Arkansas was, but I need to see more. I need to see more of his running abilities. Because let me tell you, watching Ben Bryan run is like watching Tom Brady run. Or watching Peyton Manning run. Guys, it's not pretty. It is not pretty. Like, I don't know if he's scared to run, if he doesn't know what to do when he's out in space. But that's something this offense should, that's an element this offense should have. And it doesn't. Because when Ben Bryan's out in space, if you've watched, if you watch the first four games, you see he goes, uh, 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 what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, that's why there's still more that we can see from him. And my expectations going forward for this season is if he can stay healthy, he will at least lead this team to the conference championship. Because maybe, and as he admitted after the game, he he has a he has a, he had a cut on his on his elbow, and maybe you know that led to some of the overthrows. But he was wearing a sleeve on it, so shouldn't that have helped? But anyway, if he plays like he's played so far this season, the Bearcats should at least get to the conference championship game. They might have a blemish on their schedule in conference play, which you don't want to have happen because then the New Year's Six will probably um, is out of the question. So far, Ben Bryan, through four games, is completing 67.2% of his passes for 1,217 yards, 11 touchdowns to three picks. So all in all, really good. But just that second half on Saturday was just so, so awful that the recency bias of it is making me lower my letter grade to a B plus. And that's why that's where I am right now. If he, you know, doesn't have those long stretches of bad play, the Bearcats should go undefeated in conference play. Their lone test will be UCF. Maybe Tulsa. But if they beat Central Florida on the road, which I think, and I'm going to pick them, the Bearcats to win because until I see otherwise, they're the best team in this conference. 
But that game is going to test the Bearcats' ability, particularly Ben Bryant's ability to play 60 minutes of football. He's done really well. And there's a lot that I like. I'm actually very impressed by what I'm seeing from him. I thought after the first half against Arkansas that this is going to be a long ride. But then the second half, he showed me some toughness. He showed me the ability to put a bad half behind him and come out in the second half and play really well. And that offered me hope. That was a glimpse of, okay, the Bearcats can play and score with this guy at quarterback. Because I think a lot of us were still on that idea of Evan Prater being the quarterback. And I think a lot of us still are, especially after the second half Sunday. But unfortunately, what's going to happen is Luke Fickle's not going to put in Evan Prater for a package of plays just because Ben Bryant's having a bad half, right? That's going to further diminish his confidence. Luke Fickle keeping Ben Bryant in the game at Arkansas for the second half was a huge vote of confidence. That was a huge vote of confidence for Ben Bryant. All right, coming up, we'll get to the biggest transfer on the defensive side of the ball who leads the NCAA in one category. I think you know where I'm going. We'll get into it after a word from upside from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an, an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so I get up Monday morning, and I see this stat from Dan Hort that Ivan Pace leads the NCAA with 2.8 tackles per law for game. Or two, excuse me, 2.8 tackles for loss per game. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not you're not only looking at the defensive player of the year in this conference, and if he's not. That's a, a snub of all snubs, the snub of all snubs. 
you are looking at a potential All-American. That's how good this guy is. Like, if I'm an NFL scout right now, how would I not want this linebacker on my team? How would I not? Because he's the best player on the Cincinnati Bearcats. He's a machine. He can make all the plays. He's relentless to the ball. He swarms to the ball. Like, I'm watching, I'm re-watching the game on Saturday. I'm one, I'm one half in. And I'm seeing just a player who just seemingly knows the play before the ball's even snapped. He knows where the ball is going. That sack that he had at the end of the first quarter, only he can make that play. And you're sitting there watching the game and you're and you're wondering to yourself, how in the world did Ivan Pace just make that play? It's because he just knew how to do it. It's because he has a relentless motor to the football. Right now, he is playing with a high motor, a chip on his shoulder, and he's the absolute energizer to this defense. Well, maybe that's still Deshaun. But after watching the game on Saturday, 15 tackles, two and a half sacks, four and a half tackles for loss, it's clear that Ivan Pace is this team's best player. If it's possible, it's like he's made or replaced the departures of Darian Beavers at the same time. Like, the Bearcats had a very strong linebacking core last year, and they have another strong linebacking core this year. But Ivan Pace Jr. makes up for the loss of two players, potentially. That is how big of a get he was in the transfer portal. And I think at the start, of, I think when he first came here, you thought, okay, it's great that you've got both the Pace brothers, you know, in town, you know, playing for their hometown team. But you just didn't know how good Ivan was going to be. We heard all the reports throughout camp. We saw that first game at Arkansas. And we're like, is this true? Is this, you know, is this the real Ivan Pace? And sure enough, it is. So far, through four games this season, Ivan Pace has 46 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. Are you kidding me with those numbers? I mean, those are incredible numbers. And that is why, without question, he is this conference's defensive player of the year. Now, just through non-conference play. We'll see what happens when we get to conference play. Because there are two teams that Cincinnati will face, actually maybe, actually a lot of teams, more I think about it, that are going to want to run the football. Tulsa will. Um, UCF will. Tulane will. Can Ivan Pace be just as good in conference play, stopping the run, as he is in, um, or as he was in non-conference play? Because if he is, this Bearcats team, once again, will be very difficult to play against defensively. And not only is Ivan Pace going to push for defensive player of the year, or not, he should be right now. I can make a strong case that he's going to make a push for All-American. Now, let's go to Nick Barner. I'm going to, oh, by the way, did I even say my grade for Ivan Pace Jr.? I'm going to give him an A+. Because to give him anything less, I think would be a disservice to all the work he has done for this team. It is incredible all that he's done. 
he has given this defense another dimension. And when you look at him, it, he's not that big of a linebacker. But he's just relentless. He plays bigger than his size. I think he's only 5'9", 220. He doesn't play that way. He just has that chip on his shoulder that he always has had. And let's not forget, it's not like this guy is just having a breakout season. He had 125 tackles last year. That led the NCAA. Oh, I'm sorry. Did he lead the NCAA? It might have. Um, he was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year per Pro Football Focus. He had six sacks in the game in 2019. That's an NCAA record. I think he was 10th in the ten, yeah, 10th in the country last year in total tackles, but still top 10. Now he's leading the country in tackles for loss. And think about what that does for an opposing offense. And that's why it's so important that he can stop the run in conference play. If he can stop the run against Tulsa, force them to throw on second and 13 against Navy, where you know he's going to be a big focus. Okay, because your linebackers are so important in that game against Navy. You know, your eyes knowing where the football is going. If you can stop um, two lanes running game, you can force these run first teams in the second down and 13 and then third and nine. You can tee off and then get to the quarterback because Ivan is so good at playing both the run and the pass. And just a guy who was completely blown away what we expected from Ivan Pace this season. Nick Mardner. Nick Mardner. I'm going to give him a B. I love his hands. His height is an advantage on the outside. He can make contested catches. But I want to see more of this. I want to see more of, um, you know, right now he only has seven catches for 96 yards and two touchdowns. And on the receiving end, when you've got Tyler Scott with 25, Trey Tucker with 17, Josh Wiley with 11, Charles McClellan with 10, Leonard Taylor with 8. Right now, Nick Mardner has seven, has the same number of catches as Jaden Thompson and one more catch than Will Pauling, six, who's injured right now. So with Nick Mardner, it's I like what I'm seeing, but give me more of that. You know, give me more shots over the middle. Give me more catch and runs. He had a catch in the game last week just beyond the line of scrimmage, and he was tackled immediately. I want to see him break some tackles. I want to see more targets. I want to see bigger plays. I want to see his running abilities after the catch. Right now, I don't even know if he's this team's number three wide receiver. Actually, he is because it goes Scott, Tucker, um, and then I would say Mardner because you have some tight ends and running backs mixed in there as well. But being a wide receiver three on this team means essentially you're like the fifth option in the passing game when McClellan and Wiley and Taylor are doing what they're doing. I think he will occasionally make that big play. And, um, you know, like that end zone catch against Miami, the touchdown against Arkansas. But I, I want to see more of this guy. I want to see more of this guy. I really do. All right, coming up, we'll get into some of the transfers who have somewhat been, like Nick Marner even, overlooked a little bit, but they could play an important role this season. We'll get into it after a word from two of our sponsors. All right, so one guy who 
I was really high on when he came in because of his background and his four-star recruiting out of high school, and he came from Ohio State. We just really haven't seen a lot from him this season is Noah Potter. And Noah Potter so far this season has seven tackles, two of them for loss, and a half a sack. He had a really good game against Miami, I thought, but I want to see him make an impact. And it's hard to make an impact on this team when you're his position, when you're a true defensive end, because the Bearcats play 3-3-5. Like, I'm watching the game on Saturday, and on Ivan Pace's sack at the end of the first quarter, you saw a rare four-man front by Cincinnati. So that got me to think, okay, well, how many four-man fronts were there throughout the game? Well, through the first half, I didn't count any more. So when you have two defensive tackles, like there was one play when Jabari Taylor was lined up on the edge. And that's a big fellow we're talking about on the edge. So what I'm seeing from Noah Potter is I haven't really seen a lot of him yet. And that's hard when you're buried, when you, you know, you're somewhat buried on the depth chart, when you're when your stats are buried because you don't really have opportunities to make an impact. But I want to see him firmly get himself to the top of the depth chart. You know, maybe the Bearcats make a change to their defensive front, especially now without Malik Van. But now it looks like Eric Phillips and Dante Corleone and Dominique Perry are the guys who are going to make this, they're going to make this team, you know, better up front in the absence of Malik Van. It's not Noah Potter. Um, as far as a grade for him, it's hard for me to give him one because we haven't seen a lot of him. I'll say B, just because I feel like if I give it, if I gave him a C, it'd be like, well, he hasn't done well. Well, he hasn't played enough to not do well. You get what I'm saying? So um, it's hard to tell my expectations for him for the rest of the season because three, three, five. How much playing time will he get? That's a big question. Let's go to Corey Kiner. Um, I'm gonna give him a C because. I just haven't really seen, you know, something big from him. I like that he's a spark plug. He scored the first touchdown of the season. He scored a touchdown in the second half against Indiana. I want to see the harder running. Like, you know, the hype that was around him coming in to his recruiting and now as a transfer. We haven't seen that materialize yet. You know, he, he's not hitting the hole hard enough. He's not breaking through tackles. You know, if he can do what he did at Roger Bacon here, I'm seeing immense potential from this guy. Second half of the Indiana game, classic example. I want to see harder running and more of him. The expectations for the rest of the season. Be that number two back who will give McClellan some breathing room like on Sunday or Saturday rather when he needed it. Give McClellan a breather when needed and add depth to this running back room because it is a little thin. Ryan Montgomery's still out. Miles Montgomery doesn't play a whole lot. He plays sparingly. Corey Kiner has a huge opportunity to be that number two back. Now, the Bearcats did not get the run game going against Indiana, and Kiner did bear the brunt of it. He didn't have a great game. I think he had 12 carries for 14 yards or 14 carries for 16 yards. So a very, very down performance for Corey Kiner. But he scored. He has scored a touchdown in four straight games. That's good. So there's some signs that he can, you know, get this going. But if he can get the run game going, imagine what this running back group will do with McClellan and Kiner. I mean, it will potentially really take off. 
add in a you know a passing game that's much better than it's been in years past, and this offense is going to be incredibly dynamic. All right, finally Ryan Coe because I have to mention him because the kicking game it's still you know firmly in our minds of what could go wrong. But outside of two missed kicks at Arkansas, and by the way, one of them was from 48 and it hit the top of the upright. He did miss a 28-yarder in that game, and that's not good. He's been perfect ever since. He made his only field goal on Saturday. He made his only field goal, excuse me, against Miami. He's made all his extra points. So right now, the kicking game is not a problem yet. I'll give Ryan Coe a B. Um, my expectations for the rest of the season, just make all the kicks when needed. But here's the thing about Cincinnati. They're already at 18 touchdowns this season. This team scores touchdowns. They scored 70 last year in 14 games. I mean, that's over um, five a game. That's over five, that's five touchdowns per game. So it may be a matter of, well, Ryan Coe is not necessarily needed, but he will be. Because remember 2020, I think Cole Smith coming into the conference championship game was one of two on-field goal attempts. They needed him. He made two field goals in that game, including the game winner at the gun. Now, there may not be that many opportunities for Ryan Coe this season, and that's a good thing if Cincinnati is scoring touchdowns. But when there are, make the kicks you're supposed to. Make the kicks you're supposed to make from inside, you know, 40 yards. And don't be too terrible from beyond 40 yards. Now, that's a terrible way to, you know, that's a terrible way to, you know, expect something out of someone. But, you know, if he can go, if he has, at the end of the year, six attempts from 40 or more, he makes four of them, that's fine. Even three I can live with. But just don't be a glaring issue. Like, Kickers are interesting. And I've said this before. I said it earlier this offseason when I was talking about Ryan Coe. And why I'm making him bigger than bigger of a transfer than what he needs to be is because, okay, this was a huge problem last year. It could have cost Cincinnati some games. It could this year too. It hasn't yet. But when drives stall, you need to have confidence in your kicker. And kickers are something or someone Excuse me, sorry. Kickers are, you know, players who you don't think about them until they're not doing well. And that's not, and that's not fun if you're a player. But what it is, is, you know, you have to do your job. Kickers are just as important to the football team as they are quarterback Ben Bryant, who's having a Really good start to the season. Just want to see a little bit more. And Ivan Pace Jr., who's having, I mean, another worldly season for a UC linebacker. So, huge expectations going forward for all these transfers and the whole team as we move into conference play. And I'm looking at some of Tulsa's numbers. And I'm looking at, you know, some of the conference leaders. And this is a strong Tulsa team. They're two and two, but their two losses are to Wyoming, and they should have won that game. 
and uh, Ole Miss. And they could have won that game too. So very, very strong team that the Bearcats are facing. And you look at some, and you look at some of the, the leaders in the conference right now. Davis Brin, just to throw this out there, is fourth in the country in passing yards. So there is, and Keelon Stokes is fourth in the country in receiving yards. By the way, the top five receive actually no, four of the top five receivers in the country right now in terms of receiving yards are from the group of five. How about that? Rache Rice leads the country in receiving yards. So you're facing a lot of good passing offenses too coming up. Uh, Davis Brin is second in the conference in passing yards ahead of Ben Bryant. Uh, Bryson Powers is second in tackles behind Ivan Pace. Justin Wright of Tulsa is in fourth. Um, I'm also seeing Keelan Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana in the top five in receiving yards. So this is going to be a very, very good game. A lot of really good players in this conference. All right, coming up tomorrow, film review from Indiana. Some takeaways from um, Luke Fickle's press conference and Luke Fickle's show, which airs tomorrow night on ESPN 1530. You can also stream Luke Fickle's press conference on the ESPN, on ESPN+. Plus. So we'll get to that on Wednesday. Uh, crossover with James Rapine. Not sure if it's going to happen this week because James is very busy on a short week for the Bengals. They take on the Miami Dolphins Thursday night. I'll be there for that game. Um, but I do know on Thursday, Russ Heldman will join me for our weekly conversation about the game last Saturday, uh, about Ben Bryant and going forward about Ivan Pace Jr. Just how good of a player he can be and what, you know, how much he can achieve this season as far as postseason accolades. And then, um, we will get into, uh, the game Saturday at Tulsa and what to expect in the opener and conference play and expect in conference play. Friday, we'll do our game preview at Tulsa. Really interesting game. Tulsa has come very close to beating the Bearcats the last two times. You don't want that. You don't want it to be a close game once again. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen of every day. For your second listen, go get more on the Big 12 UC's future home. By making Lockdown Big 12 your second listen with everyday host Josh Neighbors and the local experts of Lockdown as they take you across the Big 12 in 30 minutes. Lockdown Big 12, your second listen. That's Lockdown Big 12. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. We will be back tomorrow with Russ Heltman. Uh, or I'm sorry, film review and takeaways from Fickle's press conference and radio show and the game. And then Russ Hellman on Thursday, game preview on Friday against Tulsa. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.